This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Great to have you here. And the headline reads, quote, TDSB canceling kindergarten program for children with special needs. And look, we hear all the time it's about the kids. And we hear, of course, all this noise, all the work action going on with the education unions. And so this story has very, very much fallen under the radar. And the question becomes, why is the TDSB canceling a program called KIPP? This is Kindergarten Intervention Program. And this is a program uh, for those who are vulnerable, children who are vulnerable uh, from grades four and five. So really young, but they have very, very special needs. And it's a small program. We're talking 25 kids throughout uh, eight different schools. But they're shutting the program down because the board, I guess, has been grappling, you know, how do you integrate special needs kids into regular schools? And they're doing so even though it might not be good for them. It might not be good for the other kids. And no parent, and I don't think anyone in education wants to segregate children, but there are certainly times when some children just can't be in regular class settings. So why are they being forced and why cut this program out of any? Let's ask. Laura Kirby McIntosh is the vice president over at Ontario Autism Coalition. She joins us now. Hi, Laura. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little puzzled by this headline because of any program you don't want to cut, it's the ones for the vulnerable kids. And the board says, you know, this is all about eliminating the systematic barriers for at-risk students. You know, it sets kids up in the future for failure. Right. I don't know if that's an accurate statement because I think you fail them if you don't give, certainly at that age, enough of the support that they need. Well, this is this is the real issue. It's it's not so much inclusion versus non-inclusion. It's about the level of support that's provided in in the individual classroom. And what uh, what the Globe story tells us is just that the program is is being cancelled. We don't really know what's going to be done instead. So the the kids that are that are currently in this program, and there's there's over twenty different sites where the program operates. Um, if, if they are transitioned into mainstream kindergarten classrooms, what will their level of support look like? We don't have, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, if the TDSB has communicated that, I, I haven't been able to find it in, in my research today. Um, but my, my concern is, look, I mean, integration is, is obviously the, the preferred route. Um, but it's not always the right answer for all kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like your point earlier. You know, nobody looks to segregate kids, particularly right at the beginning of their journey into the education system, right? I'm a, I'm a teacher myself, and I know that sometimes once you stream a kid in one direction, it's very hard for them to, to move in another direction. Um, but there are some kids for whom their challenges are significant enough that a little bit of support at the beginning of their journey um, to get them ready for the routine of, of school um, can make a huge difference. And and what I hear the parents express in, in the Globe article is that they're concerned that, um, that now their kids are just going to be sort of thrown into a regular kindergarten class with many, many more people and a lot more noise and a lot more stimulation. And if they don't have the kind of one-to-one support that they've been enjoying earlier, uh, it may be too much for them. Right. And all day kindergarten is already stretched very thin. You've got the early childhood educator and then you've got a teacher. Mm-hmm. But still, it's, it's a big group of kids. They're very energetic. And you, I don't know if, if they can or if it's even fair to expect uh, these, these classrooms and the teachers to, to be able to handle or give what they need to and the supports for these kids. And so I, that's where I look at it and say, well, you're putting the task now, you're putting this daunting task on the teachers hoping yeah. for the best, but you could be, in fact, doing more damage. 
Exactly. And, and this is where I think it's important to, to stand back and, and look at the, the big picture of, of the issue here. Um, because really teachers at all levels, not just kindergarten, are struggling with how to support all of the kids in their classroom, including the ones with, with special needs. And, and part of, of what teachers are bargaining about right now is, you know, getting those extra supports in classrooms for, for kids that have needs that go above and beyond the expertise of the individual classroom. Now, somebody that's, that's been teaching for 25 years, I, I really think it's time for a rethink about the way we, we do education. And instead of it being, you know, the teacher at the front of the room and maybe an assistant if you're lucky, you know, we need to let other professionals into that space to, to support. If it really takes a village to, to raise a child, it's time to let the village... Oops, we've lost Laura. Oh, there we go. There, you faded out. You went under a bridge, I think. Uh, let's see if we can get Laura back. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear me, Laura. Uh, but, you know, as you touching on your point as to violence in the classroom, you know, teachers have been complaining about this for a long time. And I think it, it goes back to the, the board's stance on trying to make a one-size-fits-all approach mm-hmm. uh, to teaching. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the right way to go because none of the kids then learn. And, and ultimately, then the kids who are having the issues... They just give up. Well, yeah, that's that's very that's very much the, the the challenge here. I mean, when when one kid in a classroom isn't getting what they need and they act out as a result, it can disrupt the learning of everybody else in the in the classroom. Um, as a teacher, I look at it a little bit differently, though. It's like, that, you know, what can I do? What supports can I bring in to reach that one kid in the classroom who's you know, who's not being successful. I, I wonder sometimes about the way we we label kids in the education system. You know, we're very quick to, to stick a, a diagnosis on somebody and say, okay, they have a learning disability or they have autism right. or they have ADHD. And I wonder what would happen if we, we stuck the label the other way around and put it on the teacher or put it on the education professionals and said, you know, if you can't reach that kid, you have a teaching disability. I wonder what that would do to the system to say, you know, okay, so if I have a teaching disability and I can't reach that kid and I can't help them, then I need to go ask for help, right? I need to go get extra resources. And I think this is where educators across the province are so frustrated. They know what they need. They just can't access it. Right. But then I and look I, at the board and I think, okay, here's the board. They've already claimed that this does not, this program does not work. And yet you hear from the parents and they say they, they, they their survival, their survival is based on this course. And I'm thinking, okay, is this the board just just giving up because they don't know how to to go about creating these particular classrooms properly, or is well, this a necessary step of, of canceling it? I I have to wonder. I mean, there's a lot of, of systemic factors in play. I I, I did hear some one, one thing in the article that, that concerned me is that um, that a lot of the kids that are in the, these classes are are male and they are racialized children, mm-hmm. um, and I I worry about that that early streaming that we talked about before. Um, I, I'd like to see the data on, on the success of, of, of the program, but I also have to wonder, is this really about the kids or is it about costs? How much do these classrooms cost? If the, if the ratio is low and there's only six to eight kids in a class and there's two to three adults in there, um, you know, if they throw those kids into a mainstream class instead and say, okay, well, we'll hire one EA that's maybe, if they're lucky, making $35,000 a year, well, they're going to save a lot of money. So what is this really about? And I think when we're looking at integration of kids and when we're looking at helping marginalized communities, be they um, 
you know, communities where we're talking about race or disability or other other differences, you know, I really think we need to look at at the big picture here. And I'm I'm concerned that we're we're seeing a time right now where a lot of decisions are being made based on, on finances and politics. There's a lot of politics and at play yeah, at this, always, yeah. and that's that's yeah, a frustrating thing. And I think long term, if it's a money issue, I don't think that 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 argument can be made by the board. This is you're you're talking about um, a, a smallish number of kids, but you know. There are other areas, and we know, Laura, that they can cut, whether it's the pencil oh. sharpener they install for 200 bucks or the picture they hang. I mean, there are costs that they can cut, and well, because they did get more money, and they always seem to go for the smaller, uh, more uh, precise and, uh, programs that are aimed for kids with vulnerabilities, and that's what I don't understand. It's it's As, as a classroom teacher, it's always frustrating to me to see that the cuts never come at the top end. Never. They never come it. from, you know, the sunshine list mm-hmm. superintendents and, 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 and board staff. Um, they always come for us. They always come to, to kids with special needs. That's the first thing to cut. And, um, and it's, it's got to stop. And that's what really this, the, the whole broader labor context um, right now is, is about in many ways, is about trying to, to get some of those supports back for, for kids with special needs. Because, you know, if... When I was a kid, I, I didn't see a lot of kids with special needs in my class because we streamed them out mm-hmm. um, into institutions. The promise of integration was we would close down those institutions and we would provide supports in the community, but that's the big lie. Right. The supports aren't there. And and without them, we're setting our kids up for failure. We're setting them up to be suspended and excluded later on and to be streamed into high school programs that don't give them credits and that sets them up for unemployment. They, like, there's a whole ripple effect all the way through this. So I, you know, I urge all of the school boards to really look very carefully at the decisions that they're making on, on issues like this. Absolutely. And really consider the long-term impact. We'll follow this, Laura, and see uh, where it takes us. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Thank you so much. That's Laura Kirby McIntosh with uh, Ontario Autism Coalition. It's just right. The cuts never happen in the bloated, fat upper echelons. It's never the fat cats. They always go for those that they tell us they care about. The kids. It's always about the kids. No, it's not. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.